This parable shows us that his desire is to bring about justice in the world, right? God is just, and he loves justice, and he wants to bring about justice. He also reveals how our prayer lives make a huge difference in what is going on in the world today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast, where our goal is to help you grow in your faith. A strong faith is the foundation for every good thing in your life. It guides you through tough times. It encourages you every single day. And a strong faith will make the good times even better because it is faith that brings meaning to life. Your faith is the primary factor in growing emotionally strong. It gives you guidance in how to love the most important people in your life. And it keeps your relationships healthy. What you do, what you think impacts what you believe. What you believe determines what you do, and what you do is what you become. You may have challenges, obstacles, and hard times, but you are called to be an overcomer. Just like the Apostle John says in 1 John 5, 4, this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. So we are here to help you grow a strong and powerful faith. My name is Jesse Mayer. I'll be your host, but we cannot do this without the one, the only, the salty pastor himself, Dr. Douglas Peak. Oh, it's so good to be here. Jesse, I'm just always amazed how you can say so much in that introduction. You just <laughs> It's a speed read. It's a man, you get a lot in there. It's awesome. Hey, I just want to give a shout out to the Salty Crew today, all of you who might be listening. You want to go deeper in your faith, know why you believe what you believe, you want to grow and mature, and I'm just uh, honored to help you along that journey. It's your journey, and I'm not here to tell you what to think, but I want to help you have knowledge and tools to think for yourself. So I'm really excited that we've been spending the whole summer of 2023 focusing on the parables of the kingdom, uh, the parables that Jesus told in the Gospels that elucidate and articulate and expand this whole uh, ethos of the kingdom of God through simple stories. And I love that. Absolutely. I have really been enjoying our time in the parables as well. And we are on to a new one this week. We are looking in Luke 18 at the parable of the persistent widow. Take us away, Pastor. Tell (laughs) me more about this parable. Well, you guys uh, discuss this more in depth on uh, Tuesday, and I just wanted to take some of the principles from it. It really does reveal the heart of God. This parable shows us that his desire is to bring about justice in the world, right? God is just, and he loves justice, and he wants to bring about justice. He also reveals how our prayer lives make a huge difference in what is going on in the world today. And it reveals how when we pray in the same direction that God is going, a massive difference can come about. It's not that that our prayer forces God to do something, but what it does do is it opens the doors for God to move. Prayer is an upstream thing, and what it does is it creates a current downstream. Mm. And it, the current can go in the right direction or the wrong direction. Right. And... It can be stagnant or flowing. Yeah, and so what we want to do is we want to create that current through prayer. And do you remember the parable of the prodigal son? What was so radical about it was for the father to actually give the son his inheritance before he passed away, and then he lets the son leave with it. I mean, that was just absolutely astounding. Uh, the, this is so this is so fascinating of how this applies to God is that the only limiting factor for God is not him. 
but it's about us. Mm. Out of his love for us, he does not force himself on someone. You see, it, it's interesting. God has all the power, right? Right. But it doesn't say in the New Testament, God is a God of power and he's trying to power his way. Da, da, da. What it says is that he gives the victory through what? Sacrifice. Right. Which is the greatest invitation to us. I, I think it's such a beautiful statement of love because what God is saying, basically, I know you have trust issues with me right? It's your fault, but I know you have those trust issues. Just like that prodigal son. I don't want my dad. I want his stuff. But you get out there and you start to realize the God that you're so afraid of, the God that needs to be the authority over your life is the one who's willing to die on a cross for you. Mm, you know, yes. what, a, what an act of love that is. But the, that's the, all first John's about is that at love, right? Yeah, I've been reading all, a lot yeah. of first John lately. God and that's, is love. love all about it. It's his nature. And so this is what it means when it says in the gospels that Jesus did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. And so it's interesting is that a lot of people think, well, if I have more faith, I get more miracles. No, that's not true. Mm. You see what, what this is, is it's really, it's, it's, it's hard to understand. You have to think about it a lot. You have to get mature. And that is that what faith does is it aligns me with God who is the worker of miracles. And so the more I pray and the more my community is praying, the more we surround and align ourselves, what we're doing is we're aligning ourselves with God. The power of God is what's starting to flow in that direction. The reason why Jesus didn't do many miracles in that place wasn't because Jesus was less powerful. Right? Right. That's not why. It simply means that Jesus didn't kick down the doors and heal people against their will. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of points where he's asking in these miracles, do you want to be healed? Yeah. There's, a con there's a consent, right? Of yep. What do you want? Tell me what you want. I want to be healed. Okay. Let it be so. Right? Let it be so. Um, yeah. I think and that's, a, that's a significant point because... It's interesting. It's not that our faith is what heals us. It's our faith that opens us up to the potential of God healing us. Right. Now, I know that's a distinction. It's nuanced, but it's really, really important. Yeah. So I, I guess my question is, how do we pray like the persistent widow that is, is in this parable? Well, how do we pray uh, in faith in a way that opens up our heart to what yeah. God wants to do in, in ours? And that is, I think, number one is we pray without an agenda. Okay. You know, we don't, we don't come to God with a list of what we want him to do, you know, say, okay, God, you're God, you're all powerful. Do this, 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 and this, and this, right? Uh, we don't want to do that. I, but pastor, I would say that's how most people pray. That's how I <laughs> prayed until within the last year and a half. And after listening to you and pastor Harvin, other people in my life pray it, it's a very different way of engaging with God. I think mm -hmm. we kind of think of him like Santa most of the time where we come with, you know, or like it's a business meeting of, all right, I'm going to take some time. I'm going to, you know, make my zoom call to God and we're going to go through my outline of the things I need him to do in my life. And, yeah. uh, you know, I might thank him along the way and then I'm a uh, head out. And that's kind of how we, we get after it. Don't we? Yeah. Because, and, and what's interesting is that when we pray that way, the actual admonition from Jesus in there is using to prepare, persistent window to communicate the truth pray without losing heart don't mm. lose heart well when you pray with an agenda it's easy to lose heart right i mean everybody's wired that way when when you go someplace to get what you want and they don't have it what do you do 
I get really mad, and then I look on Amazon. <laughs> yeah, you go somewhere else, <laughs> right? You go where they have it, right? And so, okay, I'll try something else, and and that that's just a natural thing, and and so we set ourselves up for discouragement when we pray that way. We do this. I think the way we pray and not lose heart is instead of coming to God with our own agenda, what we do is we start by strengthening our own faith through statements of truth, right? There was an artist by the name of Rich Mullins that I really liked years ago, and he, he, in one of his albums, I can't even remember the name of the song. I think it's called I Believe, but he says, he goes, God has given us a truth. He goes, I am not making it. It is making me. Mm, yes. It's the very truth of God, I believe. And so what he's saying is instead of me trying to figure out, you know, how I can use it, what he's saying is I want this truth to mold and shape me. And the way you do that, that first step to pray, not with an agenda, but to be in alignment with God's truth is by making statements of truth. Have you ever heard of the new thing that people do now called daily affirmations? Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's, I don't know that it's even that new, but it's been around mm-hmm. for a while where it's like you, you tell yourself the things that you want to be right. Like yeah. you're affirming the things that you want to believe about yourself. Or if you're going into a meeting, you're like, Oh, I'm the boss. I'm going to get this. You're, you're telling yourself the things that you want to come true. And that will change the way your brain I mean, it puts you in a different state. If you're telling yeah. yourself that a lot of them recommend you do it in the mirror or whatever, so that you can see yourself telling yourself the thing. <laughs> I've, I'm, I was a communications major. We studied some of we this, studied like, this yes. stuff. Yeah. Well, I think that's really fascinating because on the one hand it's true. Right. Right. But what's interesting is that it's actually just a poor reflection of a better version of a better version. And the better version is truth affirmations, you know, in Truth affirmations, uh, you know, you should start off with is that God is love, right? When you say that, when you say God is love, God is love. When the, the biggest issue that I have when I'm struggling with God, you know, and I've been a follower for a long time, been in the ministry for a long time, and I still struggle with God at times. And the biggest struggles I have is I forget that what's going on, you know, it, it, I, I, I forget that he's love. And even when a bad thing is happening to me, you know, I want to be a God of power, you right. know, or a God to fix it. Yeah, God. <laughs> I want him to be the God to fix it. He's going, well, you know, I have a greater purpose sometimes, which is a God of love. Uh, but you could say he is, God is a God of justice, right? Even though I'm losing right now, that doesn't mean I've lost in the end. Right. Right. Because ultimately God is a God of justice. He writes the wrongs at some point. Um, Another truth affirmation is in the persistent will. Oh, she wanted justice, right? He, God will bring about justice. It's really interesting. Even people who are non-believers. I remember a president a while back said, quoted this, said, you know, the arc of history always bends towards justice. Mm. Okay. If that's, how is that true? If there is no God, how does it always bend towards justice? Um, I think another affirmation that's true is that the more I pray, the more I will align myself with your values, God. And so, so we do truth affirmations of who God is and what he does and what he, he values. And this creates momentum in your own life. When you go out, it changes your perspective, perspective in your attitude. It also creates momentum in the lives of the people around you. And so 
that I think brings about greater justice in the world. Well, and I mean, you have other ones like you are valuable to God. You matter mm -hmm. to God. You're not just a speck of dirt on right. a accident on thing. He made you for a purpose. He sacrificed Jesus sacrificed himself for you because mm -hmm. you are worth it. I have Those, value. I have value. That's a huge truth affirmation mm -hmm. that you can get so much out of if you believe it and right. tell yourself about and it. And there so. is another, another affirmation I think that is really important is that, but I'm not perfect and I can be manipulated. You remember a number of podcasts before we were talking about in one of the parables how it's really important to understand your own nature, even yeah. as a follower of Christ. The things that will trip you up or that you're yeah. prone to lean towards because that's the things you like. Or yeah, and if you don't admit that they're there, then you can be easily manipulated right. and controlled by them. But so, But what's the best way to admit our flaws is in the presence of God, right? Who loves us no matter what and mm. is there to heal and restore us and, and have us grow and mature through those things. So it's the easiest, safest place in the universe to be honest with yourself. And that's in the presence of Jesus. So, but that's an affirmation, you know, I'm not perfect and I could be deceived. So right. I think that's really important. Yeah. So tell me what else, pastor, what else are we seeing in this parable? Um, you know, expand well, a little I think bit more the issue of justice, let's carry through with that. And that is, is that when, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? That's the kind of the end of the parable, which is interesting statement, isn't right. it? You know, will he find it? And I think one of the things that we as people of God must be is committed to justice. Uh, one of the most interesting things is that we as people demand justice when we're wronged, right? Mm. But when I'm in the wrong, I demand mercy. Yes. It's a very important distinction that yeah. I only, I never get punished, but I do want other people to get yeah. punished. And what's really interesting, let's take this a step further, that mo this is what most people do, is they judge other people by their intent. They judge themselves by their, their own selves by their actions. So what, no, I'm sorry. I, I was going to say, wrong. do you, do you the other mean, way cause we've talked about this before. Yeah, We judge people by their actions and then we go, well, he did this and that means he was a bad person and that, you know, and this was what that means. And so what we do is we take their action and we give all of this negative intent to it. But then in our own lives, we, we make a mistake. We go, Oh, I, it was an accident. I just made a mistake. I didn't mean to do it. Right. Or so we then judge ourselves based on our intent, mm, right? Yes, yes, Which yes. is rationalization in yep. a lot of ways. And so, yeah, I got those backwards. Thanks for straightening me out. Is that, <laughs> so I think that's, what's interesting. We demand justice when we're wrong, but we demand mercy when we we do the wronging. And when somebody does something against us, we want them judged harshly and their and we want their intent judged. But when we do something wrong, we don't oh my we want our I intent to oh right. I didn't mean that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of a thing. So I think we must be committed to justice because justice is necessary for widows, the orphan poor, um, people who don't have any power or authority. Without justice, these vulnerable groups have no way to be protected. So justice must be something we're committed to. And justice is defined by something outside of ourselves. Otherwise, how can we ever believe that we have justice? Right. If justice is relative, if, if there's not an objective standard of what justice is, how can we believe we ever have justice, mm. right? Justice must also be applied equally. This is the whole point of the scale. You know, the lady justice, she's always 
right? She has a she holds the scales, scales, but she's blindfolded. Yeah, and she always has a blindfold. So it's we don't want to know who you are. We just want justice to be what justice. This is something that reminds me of the brilliance of the Constitution. It is the only government document that has ever been written for governments that actually limits the authority of a government. Every other charter or constitution lays out what the citizen or the subject, right, of the state, the serf, is allowed. But the U.S. Constitution lays out what the government is allowed to do in order to protect the rights of people. And so that, that's one problem is that when we want to destroy the Constitution or get away from the Constitution or we allow the regulatory state from all the government bureaucracies, or we allow government to grow to the size that it's grown to, is what happens is right becomes wrong, two plus two equals six. It, it just gets upside down. You can say that white is black and black is white. It just gets nutty. And, and what we have to do is we what we end up losing is justice. Right. right. And when you lose justice, that's when you have a problem. Well, and everybody theoretically likes the idea of justice, but we're starting to see people uh, create their own versions of it, right? It's yes. not an objective justice. It's a, nope. well, this is what I think justice for this particular situation should be. Because all those things that you, uh, you, you mentioned of why we need justice to protect the poor, the widow, the orphan, the people that are not... Yes. You know, receiving justice, that is important. But when people start taking that and saying, well, this is what justice is, and they're using those people who are at a disadvantage to, you know, beat the drum of their own preferences of justice, that's when we start seeing issues, which is why you mentioned that it needs to be objective, it needs to be equal, and it needs to be blind. You yes. can't just make your own version up and say, well, this is justice now. Right. And that's a, that's the whole ploy of cultural Marxists. And that is, is that anytime you put an adjective in, in front of a noun, it changes the meaning of the noun. So anytime you put an adjective in front of justice, what do you do? You don't have justice. You're changing. You it. change it. I don't believe in economic justice. I don't believe in social justice. I don't believe in religious justice. I don't believe in conservative justice or progressive justice. I believe in justice. Right. Right. Justice is justice is justice. It should be an objective standard. Right. And it should be something outside of ourselves. And but the problem is, is what most people have realized today, even in America, is that the justice you get depends upon the judge you have. Right. And so is that a good thing or a bad thing? I don't think that's a good thing. Right. You know, and it shouldn't be that way where every policy and everything can now go to a judge and a judge can overturn the will of the people at the blink of an eye. Right. And the, their, the, the judgment that they give overturning the will of the people in the blink of an eye is based upon what political party appointed them. Right. This is not a long-term recipe for success for justice and we're starting to see that already where it's just constantly causing problems and things yes. are overturning things overturning things overturning things that yeah. you can't even hardly keep track of what's going on anymore and because... when you use the law to create stuff i mean excuse me the law is how you is supposedly the objective standard but when you use the judiciary to create the laws in america it creates all kinds of problems but ultimately that's how they do really unjust things a lot of you know when the Dred Scott decision is one of the most infamous of an unjust decision by the Supreme Court that had to be overturned, right? There, there's been many others. You know, Roe, Roe v. Wade was an unjust decision, and this shows us about the persistent widow as a perfect illustration of how to address it. The Roe v. Wade decision in 1972 uh, came about and imposed. 
the right to an abortion as a constitutional right. Before 1972, access to abortion was determined by the state in which you lived. Some states had very open abortion laws. Some states didn't allow it at all. The purpose of bringing this case to the Supreme Court was to create a constitutional amendment mandating states that didn't have abortion to give and support abortion or have access to it. Over the next 40 or 50 years, there was an expansive body of case law that was developed surrounding this very issue. There were laws not only protecting access to abortion, but restricting the First Amendment rights of people who wanted to protest it. You couldn't protest within 100 feet or 500 feet of an abortion clinic. You couldn't offer alternatives to those considering abortion. Our public school systems adopted pro-abortion sex education. Every American citizen was forced to, and is still forced today to support Planned Parenthood through the half a billion dollars that is given to them by the federal government. People in the pro-life movement were ridiculed and hated by society. Hollywood made movies portraying them as bigoted wingnuts. Mainstream media slandered them with labels, describing them as haters of women, oppressors of women. Uh, they only wanted to control women, bigoted towards women. This is what the mainstream media called people in the pro-life movement. Well, the public school system even adopted pro-abortion education in the late 70s and 80s and particularly in the 90s under the Clinton administration. Every American citizen, as I said before, was forced into this. However, the pro-life movement never gave up. Whenever you talk to a person steeped in the pro-life movement, the issue for them was always about justice. And what they said over and over again is if you treat the most vulnerable among us as disposable, then there is no justice. These children have a right to life because they are human beings for no other reason. So guess what? The pro-life movement, blind as it was, their persistence and their prayer paid off. Yes, it has. And so... I mean, I think that's the thing is you have to just trust that God has a plan. That's part of the persistence of the widow is that you said in the beginning, losing heart, if you go in and assume that there something is going to happen the exact way you want it to, it's not, right? Right. God could have at any point turned around and said, yeah, we're just going to get rid of that law and we're going to have it immediately overturned back when it was made, mm -hmm. right? But there's a plan we don't know about and we don't know why that that choice was made and we don't know how it's going to be affected, but we have to be persistent and keep fighting for what's right, but also trust that God has a plan. And if we don't get it the exact way we want it at the exact time we want it, we can't go, well, then God must not care or must not be in it or whatever. There's persistence, right? We have yes. to be in it for the long run. We have to trust that God has a plan and we have to use an objective set of values that God has laid out for us and, and objective that's key. justice that is laid out in the Bible for us as the way we fight for things, not a, my preference, or this is right. what I want it to yep. be because God doesn't operate on our wants or the things that we think it should be. He has a bigger plan and he's much smarter and has a much bigger plan than we do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's really significant. I mean, just to bring up kind of a, a case that's really pertinent right now, we're in the summer of 2023. Back in June, the Supreme Court released all of their decisions for that session, the kind of the spring session of 2023. 
And one of the big ones is that they overturned affirmative action. They said that you're using race to uh, grant admission to universities, and this is unconstitutional. You, you can't do that. So, okay, that, that happened. But a little lesser known one was that there was a woman who had a, uh, a website designing company, mm-hmm. and she was like, uh, I, you know, I'll design websites for anything, but the, the basically anti-discrimination committee in Colorado, this is the same committee that keeps suing the baker who won't oh. bake a cake for a gay wedding. Right. Yeah. Or a, a transition, a transgender transition. He won't do it. And so they keep suing him and over and over again, they, they're just, uh, they are, uh, persecutors of faith. These people that are doing it are lawyers that are radical leftists. They hate Christians. They hate people of faith. They hate freedom. And they want to try to force people and bend people to their will. They're abusing the system. And what they're doing is evil. And their thoughts are evil. And their actions are evil. And they wanted to go after this gal because somebody came to them. And this is what these lawyers do is if you go on there and you say, Hey, I'm a Christian. I want to design you a website. Then that's what they do is they call you. And this is what they did to the, the guy who baked a cake. Uh, Jack, I think is his name is, is that the Supreme court ruled on Jack's favor before and said, well, the committee was prejudiced against his religion. The day that decision came out, one of the lawyers, that's a part of the group that does this who's transgendered, calls him and says, I want a transgender cake. And so what they did is he says, well, I won't do that. And so they immediately slapped him with another discrimination lawsuit and so forth. And this, so what they did is they just modified their approach based on what the Supreme Court said. I mean, this is just pure guerrilla warfare against people using the law to do it. And it's sad. And this gal said, was attacked the same way. We want you to design a website that supports our political ideology. At that time, it was, I think, a same-sex marriage website. They didn't want one. They already had one. Right. But they wanted to try to make an example of her. And she said no. And she then went to, uh, uh, filed a complaint. And then there's a group that came in and helped file a class or not a, a kind of type uh, the word escapes me off kind of basically an action in the court. She's not like suing the court, but it's similar to that. I can't remember okay. the name of it. So, and then the Supreme court ruled in her favor. And today, you know, you go, uh, go out there this summer, I've listened to it, a litany of people saying, oh, now you can discriminate against anybody. You know, I can have a restaurant that says no Christians allowed and blah, blah, blah. And it's just so ridiculous how dumb people are mm. because there is a vast difference between things you can't say or things you can't do and things that the government compels you to say or compels you to do. Right. You see, it's one thing, and the, the baker said this over and over again. I don't care who comes in and buys my cakes and cupcakes and donuts. He doesn't. He goes, I don't care if you want a cake that I've made and you want to take it home and put, you know, same-sex couple on the top of it. I don't care. He goes, what you're asking me to do is you're compelling to you, me to use my creative talents to create something that supports your ideology, and I won't do that. So, you see, it's a difference between not things I... I'm not allowed to do 
like discriminate who comes in and buys your cupcakes. Right. Everybody agrees with that. Right. But this was about the government compelling you to do this. We are compelling you to push this message. We're compelling you to say this. And this is the whole point of pronouns of people trying to get you to use their pronouns. They say that, well, you're a terrible person if you don't do that. You're triggering me and you're offending me. But the real issue is no. What you're trying to do is compel people to say things that you want. And you can't force people to say stuff. Mm. And so we, as people, must be committed to justice. But if we don't know what justice is, how can we be committed to it? Right. We need to know what it is. So when people or governments or uh, become tyrannies, and in these cases, like in Colorado, and they try to force people to do things, we must be committed to stand with them and describe what justice is. And the best way to do this is to pursue it with prayer, pursue it with persistence, and then I think over time that persistence will Yield the result that we desire. Absolutely. Trusting in God to make that happen. Yes, trusting the Lord to make it happen. Well, thank you so much, Pastor, for dissecting this uh, parable with us to giving us some real-world application today and how the persistent widow is still valuable today. Mm -hmm. This is not just a story for the old times, but it is still applicable for the new times. today yes and we are so excited that you are joining us each and every week to learn more and grow your face so thank you for doing that and we'll see you next time here on the salty pastor podcast blessings